from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of It Figures podcast. My name is Sandy Guy, and I am the human capital partner at Car Riggs and Ingram. And today, I am really excited to moderate a discussion exploring inclusion a little bit more. So as we've seen, no industry is immune from the great resignation. Um, people of all demographics are leaving either the workforce altogether or making their side hustle, a full-time hustle, um, or just changing employers, pursuing their passion, whatever it is. Um, no, nobody has been immune from this. And it's really uh, been a challenge for people like myself who are accountable for recruiting and retention of organizations. But so as I think about um, the great resignation and why people are leaving and how, you know, hopefully they're going to come back, keep praying they're going to come back. And I think in terms of, well, you know, what makes somebody choose an employer and then stay with an employer? Uh, nowadays, you know, if somebody stays with an employer seven years, God, that's a long time. And, you know, I'm of the generation that, hey, your second employer out of college, that's where you're going to retire from. And I'm, I'm not at my second employer. I think I'm on my third or my fourth at this point. But still, you know, how can you recruit and retain people and engage them? And the more I think about that, I just keep coming back to inclusion and I'm not um, trying to um, exclude diversity. Diversity is important, uh, but I always think that if you don't have an inclusive culture, you're just creating a diverse revolving door and, and not really ultimately solving the problem. So for me, ultimately, inclusion is the key. So what I thought I would do um, is have a discussion uh, with two individuals who come from, at least in public accounting, come from that very sought after demographic um, that everybody is trying to recruit, everybody is trying to engage. So I've asked a experienced staff accountant and a supervising senior to join me today as we explore inclusion and what it is and what it means and creating an inclusive environment and all that kind of great stuff. So with that, we'll take a moment and I'll ask my two guests to introduce themselves, starting with Andrew. Hey, everyone. Uh, so thanks for joining us. My name is Andrew Clavin. I'm a supervising senior in audit uh, based out of our New Orleans office. And I have been with CRI for five years this coming August. So happy to be here. We are so happy to have you. Um, and then Shakila. My name is Shakila. I'm a um, staff at, out of the Atlanta office. I've been here for about a year and a half in our audit department. So, yeah. Well, it, I'm thrilled y'all were willing to do this today. And both my guests, I said, look, I just want to have a really open and honest discussion around inclusion. And I very much appreciate both of them being willing to do that. So when I think about inclusion, I thought, okay, you know, let me go see what the actual definition is or the workplace definition. And SHRM defines um, inclusion as the practice of providing everyone with equal access to opportunities and resources. And when I think of inclusion, I certainly think about that, but I thought about a couple of other things, but I wanted to start with my guests. Um, so I'm curious what both of you think, what in, how you would define inclusion or what you think inclusion is. And Andrew, I'll, I'll start with you. So when you think inclusion in the workplace, what do you think about? 
Yeah, for me, Sandy, I would say inclusion is just making sure that everyone feels welcome regardless of sexual orientation, gender, uh, demographic, where they come from. Just making sure that everyone feels welcome and safe um, and that they feel also, I would say, related to work or professional environment, that they feel like their own beliefs or where they come from or their demographic won't affect their advancement in the workplace as well. Um, yeah, so that's, that's that's it for me. What about you, Shakila? When you think of inclusion, what do you think about? Um, when I think of inclusion, I think I think about everybody being able to bring their differences to the table and feel like they belong at that table and that their differences are also celebrated. Sometimes I feel like when we're trying to be inclusive, we ignore the fact that people are different. And I feel like if we're not celebrating the fact that we have differences, then we're not actually creating an inclusive environment. So for me, inclusion means I can come as myself and you also celebrate me for who I am. I would say for me, it's kind of the same thing. I think it's uh, being able to bring your whole self to work or your authentic self to work. When I think in terms of whole self, you know, some people, um, they, they don't like to bring their whole selves to work. They like to keep their private life private. And I don't want to talk about, you know, what's going on in my private life. And listen, there are days I feel that way, too. Um, but as long as people feel comfortable coming to work and bringing whatever part of their authentic self, that's always what I thought about when it comes to inclusion. And I think it's been interesting to me. As CRI has gone down our journey of diversity and inclusion, and when we were doing like unconscious bias training, that oftentimes people, um, I'm a naturally curious person. So I'm, I'm just going to ask questions if, if, so I'm Jewish, if somebody's Christian, you know, I, I, not only do I welcome them asking me questions about my faith, I love to ask them questions about theirs. And we did a, an internal conversation that counts with Phyllis Ingram, where she and I spent a lot of time asking those questions of each other. And so it, it would, to me, that felt very inclusive of both of us. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, are, are there things that you have experienced that made you feel, let's start with the positive, that made you feel more inclusive or things during your day? Or is it just, I don't know, I just, in this regard, I feel inclusive. Or I'll put you both on the spot. <laughs> you both on the spot. Do both of you feel um, comfortable bringing your whole selves to work at CRI? I would say definitely I do. Um, and funny enough, when I was interviewing and came in for my interview at CRI, um, at the prior firm I was at, I actually came out to everyone like after I had started. And when I came to CRI, I was, you know, kind of young and thinking in my head, I'm like, wait, do I have to come out again? Like, how does this work? Like, what, <laughs> what do I do? You know? Um, and so when I first started at CRI, I was like, you know what, during the interview, I'm going to somehow casually drop, oh, you know, I have a boyfriend and just see how it plays out because I want to see their reaction because a lot of time, people's faces will tell you what you want to know without them even having to speak. Um, so just their reaction to it. And during my interview uh, with a partner, I said, Hey, you know, I was casually working in, I just said, Oh, my boyfriend and I are renovating our house, whatever. And her reaction was just so chill and just so casual that it, it, it didn't give me any red flags per se. Um, whereas sometimes when you say that, um, you know, with, some family friends or even some family members like growing up saying that you get like oh 
this weird reaction and you automatically know like, okay, the conversation stops here or you just feel uncomfortable. You don't feel comfortable being yourself around those people. Um, so for me, that was something very important. And I feel like specifically in the New Orleans office, um, I want to give a shout out to Kat and Becky who have been super inclusive um, just from the very beginning and just simple things like asking how is my partner doing or how's everything going with you guys? Just simple things that you would ask anyone else. Those kind of things go a long way for me in being, you know, just feeling included in an inclusive environment. That's so interesting to me because I couldn't imagine going into an interview and in my mind going, okay, let me casually drop my husband or, or, or something like that, you know, to, to sit there and, and to bring it up in an interview. Absolutely. But to have that um, moment of, okay, I'm going to do that. Like I would never think that I would, it wouldn't cross my mind. Um, so I put, I put you on the spot and put Chicago on the spot. Um, so because I want to talk about balance a little bit and your perspective as a member of balance. So Andrew, you were talking about, um, you know, if, if you are LGBTQ and, you know, th- that you, d- you can't outwardly see, you know, you're coming in for an interview and, okay, so let me drop it and see what the vibe is. But, you know, Shakila, you're African-American and you're actually a member of Balance, which is our employee resource group for Blacks and African-Americans. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about that through the interview process or just even balance in general, because the only members in there are Black and African-American employees. I was on there once it got started, then I rolled off. Um, I think for me, feeling included started before I actually started at CRI. Um, oh, wow. I know, exactly. So I think a lot of people like kind of know this story, but I, when I was recruiting, I was a non-traditional student. I had already been through college, got a degree, worked a full-time job, and then decided to go back for accounting. And I didn't even know accounting recruiting was a thing until I was in the master's program. And so um, we're in this big gymnasium and all the firms are there. And CRI is like, absolutely, like I didn't even know who they were. I hadn't been by the booth. I was about to head out. And like my friend was like, you know, go see, go see this firm. You're going to really love them. And I walked up and I saw Shani, who was also a member of Balance. And it was like in that moment, like I knew that the inclusion was there. And it was like, I like fixated on CRI. Like it was like, this is where I want to work. This is where I feel like I'm going to be able to bring myself to the table. And it has not disappointed. Like since that moment, I came in through the internship. So I had an interview with Matt Gunny, which was a phenomenal interview. I absolutely adore Matt. And then I came on as staff a year later. And then I think like a month into being staff, Kendra um, in the Atlanta office sent me an email about balance. And I'm like, I don't really know what this is, but I'm going to join it because Kendra sent the email and Kendra's <laughs> phenomenal. And so I'm gonna- Lesson number one, always do what Kendra asks you to do. <laughs> Lesson number one. I learned that lesson really quickly. So I joined Balance and I think from there it's been a part of like, it's been a part of my identity at CRI. It's like we all come together. We recognize that we have something in common and how we want to change it, how we want to make it more diverse. And we get an hour a month where we just kind of get to experience each other. We get to celebrate our differences. And I think it really does help. Like when you are thinking about is 
do I feel like I belong at this table? Well, I do because like they carved out a spot for us. And Sandy, you were in balance for a while too. I was there. So that was my first introduction to you. And I thought that that was extremely amazing. So I think seeing it from all of those perspectives, you'll see people, you'll see companies and firms say that they're diverse, but it's kind of hard to actually see it in action. And I always felt like CRI was like walking that talk. So. Well, I, I want to explore that for a minute, and I'm going to start with you, but Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm going to want you to respond to this as well. Um, so I guess what my question is, and then I'll give a little background is, can you feel included if you don't see anybody who looks like you or shares whatever your diversity, your dimension of diversity is? So for example, when we were starting Balance, um, one of our primary objectives, which and it's still our, one of our objectives today, is to increase the number of Blacks and African Americans that we have in the firm. And during one of the meetings, we were talking about our recruiting strategies and uh, you know being more visible on HBCUs and things like that. But at one point, we got on the discussion of, you know, we have some offices in CRI where there's not a single Black or African American. We have some offices in CRI that I think, I don't know because we don't track it, that we don't have anybody who falls into the LGBTQ community. So if, if Shakila, if you were being recruited and you didn't, li- listen, Shani's awesome and she could have re- recruited me no matter what, she's fantastic. Um, but if you didn't see somebody who looked like you, would it have been a deal breaker um, and if so, so where do we start? Because that's what I always tell people. So if we have an office that doesn't have um, much or any diversity or doesn't have a Black or African-American, we have to start somewhere. So let's be honest. When we go to an HBCU or somewhere and say, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have somebody from this office because we don't. But here's who we do have and we're welcoming. We have to start somewhere. So I'm curious, how would y'all feel if you, there wasn't somebody I hate to say like you, because I think everybody's so different, but like you in that office. Um, I think for me, I don't necessarily think that it would have been a deal breaker. It just made the decision a lot easier. Um, I think I recruited with maybe four or five firms and I didn't see anybody who looked like me, but I still went through the recruiting process. Like they were still, I'm, I don't know if I could say candidates because I fixated on CRI, but like I was still like, filling it out, trying to make a decision. But I think having somebody who does represent whatever population that you come from, like does make it easier to feel like there is a chance that you will be included. And that like those little nuanced things that like they do make you different, won't make you feel out of place in the workplace. You know, um, so we were talking about Kendra a minute ago, who is, um, I'll be full disclosure, um, Kendra locked arms with me. We both said we need to start an ERG and did it together. She's a founding member. She's a chair and she is just a, a ball of fire. But she and I had a long discussion one day about um, we feel like we're teetering in that we we want to be genuine and authentic and we don't want somebody to be, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it like here's my token African-American that I'm going to send to this recruiting event. Here's my token African-American that we're going to take a picture of and put on our website. Like we want to be genuine and authentic, but at the same time, um, we, we also want to attract people to the firm. And it was, it was just an interesting discussion. And I said, well, you know, 
fortunately, we do have a great mix of people. Let's get them engaged and involved. But it is interesting, um, Andrew. So I'll come to you to answer because you were working with me on some recruiting materials and we were talking about some of the graphics um, that we were using. And we were like, okay, wow, we want to be authentic, but everybody in that picture is a white man. And can we at least find a picture that is diverse, but not overtly like we were trying. So I'm curious, your thought, what would you do if, if there wasn't somebody, if you didn't meet Jordan Padgett, and there's so many more people like you than Jordan Padgett, but, um, and how you feel about that since you and I were working on that market, that recruiting piece? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think, like you said earlier, <clears throat> you can't necessarily tell if someone is a member of the LGBTQ plus community just by their, you know, appearance. Um, but I think a lot of it goes with whenever you first meet the firm, whether that be meeting virtually, like going to our website or LinkedIn life page, or going to a career fair and meeting someone, even if they're not like you, kind of like Shakila said, if they have that um, just kind of welcoming presence or just the kind of tone that comes from the top of the firm, um, just your based on your interactions with someone, I think that actually does go a long way. Um, and like you said, I think there's a there's kind of a fine line, and you do have to th actually sit down and think about it. Um, like we said, having a picture of like all white males as a cover photo it is that doesn't really work nowadays, especially when you're recruiting college students. Um, and Honestly, that's not representative of our firm. Um, so I feel like just finding images or things to make people feel welcome, also displaying like on LinkedIn or on our website, okay, maybe there's not a black or African-American at our office, but hey, we have this resource group that you can be a part of and we have these things available for you. Um, so I think just kind of showing those things actually also goes a long way without actually seeing someone just like yourself, because at the end of the day, we are each, everyone is their own unique individual with their own unique beliefs and values and how they look both from an outside perspective and their beliefs personally. So I think it, it's just about setting that tone, um, a welcoming yeah. tone. I think we need to do a whole podcast on intersectionality, because to me, it's nobody is one diversity bucket or dimension. Like everybody is this whole mosaic. And I've said before on previous podcasts and anytime we've done stuff in diversity and inclusion, I'm like, okay, I'm a, a Southern white female, but statistically you could sit me at a table with all other Southern white females. And I probably have more in common with the men than the women because I, I don't have kids. I don't like to put but more likely than not, they've probably started a family and all these kind of things. And I love talking about cars and sports and all that kind of stuff. So intersectionality to me is fascinating because people have uh, the stereotypes don't apply um, unless you're a Southern white female. Just kidding. Um, it's the stereotypes don't apply. But two, there's so much about people that you can't see and you don't know and nobody's just one thing. But Andrew, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot and um I'm putting people on the spot a lot today. I probably that's probably not making y'all feel very that's, that's what we're I'm here for, Sandy. You. Don't worry. We we signed up. For I was it. about to say both of you um have already uh worked with me. So you knew I was gonna put you on the spot anyway. Um so 
you know, you and I have been working on um, our recruiting materials and our branding and things like that, um, especially as it relates to younger people. And you and I have had some really good conversations about that, about being authentic, um, but definitely putting a brand out there that, you know, to where somebody like Shakila is like, oh, I've seen their brand. I'm interested. Let me go to their booth and, and then bring them in. So I'm curious about when we think about authenticity. So when you see, um, you know, it's very commonplace for employers to change their logo during Pride Month, um, to um, issue a statement during Black History Month, or, you know, we, we saw it was very common in the summer of 2020 that, you know, a lot of firms were making external statements and things of that nature. So I'm curious, you know, where, how, how you feel about that. Is it, because listen, it, and Shakila, I'm trying to think if you were in balance when we had this discussion, Black History Month one year and then the next year, I was following Google to see what they posted, summer 2020, Black History Month 2020, and then Black History Month 2021. And Black History Month 2021 radio silent. There was there was barely anything. I think they had one or two images that day and had a whole conversation around it that are you only putting things up when it's trendy? So anyway, back to my question. So I'm curious about that type of marketing. Where does that play with inclusion? Does that make somebody feel included or some of the internal stuff? I think it definitely does. Um, I'd say just from my perspective, um, I don't necessarily think you know, a company has to change their logo for each month or for Pride Month. But I do think a post at minimum on any form of social um, website or anything where you would normally post something just to acknowledge it. Um, because honestly, silence does speak quite a lot. Um, so when you see a company that maybe doesn't post something, it does raise some red flags. Um, but Again, it's also important that if you're within the company, you do feel comfortable and just those around you also make you feel comfortable. But I think from an outside perspective, at a bare minimum, a post or just acknowledging it does actually go a long way. That's interesting. Shakila, any thoughts from your perspective? Um, I agree with that. You don't have to change your logo thing because I think that's for like uh, people who don't look at like that's an outside thing. So if I look at a company and they change their logo, I'm wondering, are you doing it because it's trendy? Or are you doing it because internally that's what you truly believe? So I think um, any anything that you could give to people who work there to let them know that they're included, I think that's important. Because if I go out to somebody and I'm talking to them about CRI, I can say out my mouth, oh, yeah, they're diverse or they're inclusive because I work there and it's my personal experience. You don't have to really question my personal experience because we're having a conversation. But I think I'm questioning like the company stance if they just change their logo and I don't know anything else about them. So like if the people who work there aren't saying, oh, yeah, it's an inclusive environment, then I'm least likely to believe that they actually believe it. And they're mostly just doing it to make sales or to be trendy or whatever the case may be. You know, it's interesting. I was um, it was probably a year ago. It's been a while. I was talking uh, to somebody. We were actually talking about women's initiatives. And we were talking about one organization that is uh, very well known for its women's initiative. It's, um, you know, kind of considered sort of the gold standard 
um, for women's initiatives. And we were talking about it. And this individual was a former employee of that organization. And she said, it's, it's not genuine. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of um, labels on the program and the, the marketing budget that probably goes into it is crazy. But she said, listen, I've, I've never, when she was there, she said part of why she left, she said, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that I was discriminated against because I was a woman, but I didn't feel that they were there um, champion, championing some of the things that were important to me as a woman. She was talking about the hours she worked when she first had her first child and was trying to come back and like all those kind of things. So she was like, yeah, great program, great whatever, but I didn't feel it. I didn't feel that um, that I, I, that those parts of me as a woman really mattered. I just felt like I was somebody come in, get your work out and go home and we don't care, work harder. And I just, I thought it was really interesting. and. Um, I've said since the beginning of our diversity and inclusion strategy in Chicago, you probably heard me talk about it in um, balance meetings. And Andrew, you and I talk about it all the time is that I just want our, our culture of inclusion to, to be authentic. And if there's a way where we aren't our best selves, let's just own it and openly acknowledge just, you know, a few minutes ago where I was like, you know, Blacks and African-Americans are, are underrepresented at CRI. They're underrepresented in our industry as a whole. So instead of us waiting to see, you know, well, what's the industry going to do to attract more Black and African-Americans to public accounting? Well, I don't care. I can't wait on them. You know what? Kendra, Kyla, let's go figure it out. Let's let's do what we can and at least impact CRI. But if I'm going to be on a campus and if somebody says, well, you know, what percentage of your partners are Black or African-American and it's one, you know, then I'm going to say it. I'm not going to run and hide from it, but I'm going to say it. And then I want to say, but here's what we're trying to do to improve it. Why don't you join the forum and be part of the solution and help us understand what we can do to get better? So it's always interesting during, uh, again, you know, Black History Month or Pride Month or these different celebrations when you see, for me, it's, I always keep a watchful eye on Google. Um, I do think they're kind of hypocrites. Um, I keep a watchful eye on Google and some of these other employers to see um, how their ex-employees feel, how the current employees feel and things of that nature. Yeah, I think too, Sandy, um, you know, a lot of companies like Shakila said, they'll change their logo. And then as soon as July 1st hits, oh, you know, Pride Month, it, it didn't exist. Um, so it, it's about finding that balance. I think just acknowledging it and saying, hey, look, we have an inclusive environment. We welcome everyone. We celebrate who you are. Just e even a little statement like that goes a long way. And then seeing employees and their testimonials and how they actually feel, that that means more than just, you know, changing a logo um, as well. Agreed. Agreed. So let's talk about, um, do you think... From, you know, I can sit from my perspective and my job and what I do and talk about barriers to inclusion all day. Um, but I'm curious, again, to very sought after individuals. So if you're listening to this and you're not with CRI, please don't call these people and try to recruit them. I'll be very upset. Um, but if I'm making you feel included, you won't take the call. Um, but from your perspective, are there any barriers or challenges that you see, whether in our industry or um, in our firm? Any barriers to being inclusive? And I'll just open it to either one of you. I would say for me, one of the biggest barriers to being inclusive is that it doesn't exist yet. 
So like we were just talking about a second ago, like if I don't see somebody who represents me, then it's harder for me to commit to that firm or that company or whatever. So I think for me, one of the biggest barriers is I I feel like I'm going to be underrepresented here. So I'm not sure if that's a space that I want to be at. And I think the next barrier that I would consider would probably be I from a company perspective is if I do this, how will it make me look to the people who are here and have been here? Like how will they take this? Will it like shake up the company so much that like now I'm like creating a hostile work environment for everybody involved? Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. You know, when um and that kind of ties to the barrier that I see, the barrier that I see with anything around a diversity and inclusion strategy or any type of cultural strategy is, you know, when you have over 2000 employees, that's 2000 individuals with their own experiences, their own values, their own bias, because we all have bias to some degree, an unconscious bias. And and I can't control 2000 people. So while you know, I don't know, 90% of, of our talent could be completely inclusive and aware and engaging and all that kind of stuff. Shakila could end up working for the one person I wasn't aware of that had some bias or, you know what I mean, and doesn't make her feel inclusive. So to me, it's sort of that, um, the, the human nature or the, the once you get so big, you can't control everybody. Um, it, it's, it's a barrier. It doesn't prohibit, but it's, it's, you know, what's that analogy? You know, I can't save all the starfish, but I can save this one. Um, so it's okay. Well, maybe let me just start ticking away at the starfish one at a time. What about you, Andrew? Any barriers that you see? I think the barrier for any organization also uh, would be the tone at the top, or if, you know, senior leaders, partners, managers, if they do not create an inclusive workspace, it's hard for people below them to step up because they feel like not only are they stepping up, but they're also stepping out and putting themselves in the spotlight and potentially could be detrimental to their career. Um, and just like Shakila said, they're causing like an uprising or they don't want to cause arguments and things like that. So I think just the tone at the top, it, it doesn't, it just needs to be inclusive and welcoming for all people. And, you know, some companies, that may be um, harder than others, but I also feel like it it goes a long way. And when you have, like you said, so many employees, um, you do just that has to kind of trickle down from the top because without that, it's it's very hard to establish the inclusive environment. You know, it's interesting. I think over the years, it's because people have used the terms diversity and inclusion so interchangeably that they see them as the same thing. And they're very, very different. Shakila, you know, earlier you were talking about being a non-traditional student. Um, and, and I've heard some others in the firm talk about a concern, and it's a concern I have that, you know, there's so many people that decided, hey, I'm going to go back and, and I want to go become a CPA. I want to go into accounting. And so you might be five, 10 years older than students coming in. And if you get past the bias, because there is a bias towards non-traditional accounting students, and sorry, I've, I've, I've seen it. There is a little bit of a bias. But do they feel included? You know, there was a Robert De Niro movie um, with Anne Hathaway, I think it was called The Intern, um, where, you know, now he's a, he's a whole lot older. He was retired. But it was interesting because when you were talking about that, I'm like, you know, inclusion it's not just what that diversity dimension is. You know, does, does a, I mean, Andrew, because 
yes, you're gay, but you're also a white male. So as a white male, do you feel included? You know, does everybody feel included? That non-traditional student, you know, the the female, the black or African-American employee, the Indian employee. Like, it's just, it's fascinating to me because I think when people think in terms of inclusion, they're like, oh, well, look at, you know, Atlanta is a fairly diverse practice office for CRI. Oh, well, Atlanta clearly is inclusive. Is it? I mean, it could be, but just because you have a diverse mix of employees doesn't necessarily mean it's inclusive. So it's, it's I don't know, it's always kind of interesting to me. So as we start to wind down, um, I always love advice uh, for myself. So I am curious. I'm going to ask y'all if y'all have some advice for a couple of people. So first, do either of you have advice for leaders or managers, somebody supervising or, you know, Andrew, you were talking about the tone at the top. So somebody who is at the top setting that tone, any advice for them on creating an inclusive culture? I think it's just being cognizant on not only what you say to others, but also your um, body language, like when you're talking with people, um, because maybe you might not realize it, but say someone comes to you and um, they mention, oh, they have a partner, they have a boyfriend and they're LGBTQ, um, just like kind of making a face or something, even if you don't necessarily mean it subconsciously, maybe it's the way you grew up or your parents' reactions or just things like that just noticing those kind of little things when you're interacting with others. Um, so I think body language goes a long way. And, and just, again, cr- trying to create that inclusive and welcoming um, workspace, whether it be, um, you know, even if it's at like your individual, say, SPU level, even if something doesn't come out firm wide, but like sending out an email and say, hey, we're celebrating this this month. Um, I know our office, we have like a little bulletin board where we do like different holidays, different celebrations um, and ask people like, hey, bring in pictures, let us see your family, just things like that, um, just to make everyone feel included. That definitely goes a long way. That's interesting. The body language is, um, that's a good tip. I hadn't even, had never really considered that. What about you, Shkaila? Any advice for leaders or managers? I think I agree with Andrew 100%. Um, I, I do feel like, if you if somebody is saying something to you, your reaction is more than what you say out your mouth. Like it, it encompasses a lot. So I think you should be mindful of how you're acting. But like in a in an organic, genuine way. Like I think if you have if you're sitting to yourself and you're saying like I have these biases, like kind of explore why you have them, and then maybe like educate yourself on like why they might not like be effective in the workplace or like why your biases are actually not 100% accurate. And then I feel like you can form a better relationship and create a genuine, organic, inclusive environment. Because I think if you just force it because CRI says you have to, then like it's not really genuine. And I think we can tell when things aren't genuine. Then we can tell when somebody's not being like 100% genuine with us. I also think like for balance, we did um, a meeting where we did like with the allies and like so there was some leadership that came to uh, the meeting and I think showing up in spaces like that is super important like so if you get the opportunity where there is an ERG out here that's saying hey we want to talk to you like we're trying to like foster a more inclusive and diverse environment like if you show up in those spaces I feel like it goes a long way like I feel like then you're you're walking the walk like it's not like oh I just think you're inclusive but like you actually showed up and you showed the people who like 
you know, you work with every day that you actually do value them and their differences. That's a really good point. You know, and it reflects back on Andrew when you said earlier, sometimes silence says more. Um, in the summer of 2020, I had a partner call me and he said, um, God, I, I just want to go in his office. There were um, two black and African-American employees. And um, he said, I just, I, I feel bad. And I want to reach out to them and just, Hey, are you okay? Or whatever. But I don't want to, I don't want to offend them. So, I mean, I didn't say anything and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, not, not saying anything is worse. So why would you not just go up to him and go, Hey, I hope this comes out right. You know, are you okay? I saw this on the news. I saw whatever. And, or I'm kind of curious. Listen, that's how my friendship with Kendra started. I called her one day and I said, Hey, I just, it's not my experience. And I would love to pick the brain of somebody who it's been their experience. Can I ask you some questions? And she was like, absolutely. And, and right then it was formed. And listen, I'll even say Bill Carr. One thing that, that will for the rest of my career stay, stand out in my mind is um, Bill Carr. He's Christian and he walks very strongly in his faith. And he called me one day because he usually um, he likes to quote Proverbs here and there. And he called me one day and, and wanted to talk about it. He said, okay, I don't want to offend anybody, but you're Jewish. Can I just ask you a bunch of questions? Because I want to make sure. And I'm like, oh, God, yeah. If you come to me in that spirit of, I'm not being offensive. I'm curious and I have questions. Oh, ask, ask me whatever you want to ask me. And it's just so interesting that I think if, if the tone at the top because listen, we, we all have, whether conscious or unconscious, we all have biases. But I think if you recognize you're ignorant to a topic, meaning you truly, there's an absence of knowledge and you don't know, and just saying, going to Andrew and saying, hey, I heard you on the podcast um, and I know you have a partner, you know, can I just ask some questions? Like, would you want to bring him to a house? Like, how does that work? Or what are things I can do? I think if people come in that spirit of, Hey, I acknowledge I don't know what can I do. I think that alone is an inclusive act too. And I think something off of that too, Sandy, that I wrote down while you were talking that came to mind is try not to make assumptions about people. Um, I remember just kind of a quick story at another firm when I was out at a client in the middle of nowhere out in the country. Um, the client asked me, he's like, Oh, a good looking guy like you must have a wife waiting for you at home. Huh? And I was just like, uh, don't know how to answer that. And based off of other things I heard you say, I'm just gonna, gonna pass. But that, that was a younger me. And I, now I know I would like speak up for myself, but I think things like making assumptions and making sure that people aren't put in like uncomfortable positions to also goes into that creating an inclusive environment because just someone looks a certain way or acts a certain way doesn't mean that they fall into a certain category. So that ties into the next piece of advice to peers. So you said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a little older now, so I might respond. So any advice to sort of your peer group or employees on anything they can do if they to also create an inclusive culture, but if they don't feel like it's inclusive, I think speaking up, like if they hear something or if they feel that someone is not being represented or feel welcome, that just because you aren't part of a group doesn't mean that you can't speak up and be like, hey, I didn't like what you said. Um, you know, we had a meeting one time and someone said, that's gay, like, isn't that stupid? 
and a manager who was sitting next to me, she actually spoke up and said, excuse me, that's completely inappropriate. And you owe an apology for that. So just because she wasn't a member of the group doesn't mean that you can't speak up and take up for someone. I would say speak up um, on another side, though. Like for me, I would say speak up for like myself, like me and uh, Hayes in the Atlanta office were also there. We were talking the other day and she asked me, we were talking about my niece and nephew and she asked me a question and like, I'm like, oh, because I think culturally that's where it comes from. Like, so don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm different from you. And it comes from my cultural background. Like, instead of just saying, oh, because that's just how it always was. Or me and Melissa, also in my office, we talk a lot and like, we can talk about like, we'll talk about the differences in our hair and we'll talk about all these things that make us so different. And she'll ask questions and I'll ask questions where we're just kind of getting to know more about the other person. So they're like, okay, I recognize that we're different. We're also like very connected at the day that work. So like naturally these differences will come up. So let's just talk about it. And I think for me, I'm saying speak up. Don't be afraid to let your differences be a part of the conversation on your side, because if you run from it or you hide from it, then everybody else will. I kind of fall off in like the same way when I first started. I was like, oh my God, do I say my wife? Do I not say my wife? Like, and it's like, no, just say it. Because if you, if you show that you have, a, you perceive that there's an issue with it, then it's going to make an uncomfortable situation. Like, so I would say speak up from your own perspective. Speak up naturally. And I, you know, I, I, and by the way, um, I too have lots of questions about Melissa Wyatt's incredibly long hair. Like I have so many questions on how she manages her hair. Um, she's crazy long hair. I will tell you, um, it's washed every Sunday and I like encourage her, go have somebody else wash your hair, please. <laughs> like, I follow her TikTok. She had a hair tutorial on her TikTok the other day. <laughs> but I, I think that that's so true about... Um, you know, being yourself and, and casually saying things, but picking up on body language. And then again, coming back to you, um, Andrew, I think it was you that was talking about assumptions. You, you don't want to jump to conclusions with anything. I was, I've told this story so many times. We were at a partner meeting and, you know, it's the night where everybody can go eat on their own. And so people kind of gather in the lobby. And most times it's partners from one office going to get to eat dinner with partners from their office, which never understand. Don't eat with people from other offices. You see each other all the time, but whatever. So the next day, this one girl called me beside herself because her partner group didn't invite her to dinner. And she knows it's because they hate women. And she, she was hurt and worked up. And I'm like, oh, that seems out of character for that office. And so I went and talked to that practice leader and I'm like, hey, yeah, um, so why didn't you invite her to dinner? And he's like, oh, my God, we got to dinner and realized it was a small group that every year, second night, all, just always went to dinner. They hadn't admitted a new partner in a long time. It, and nobody said, hey, I'll be sure and call her and invite her. It was just habit. We all show up in the lobby and go. And he felt terrible. And I'm like, well, has anybody called and told her that that's what happened? <laughs> because so please go tell her. So sometimes it's just, you know, people are human and we, we forget things and or we don't think about it. Don't always assume it's because of that. But when you feel like it could be, speak up, speak up to a manager, a partner, call your HR professional, whatever it is in your organization or just somebody you trust to be able to work through that. 
So I want to thank the two of you um, for letting me include you. See what I did there? To include you in this discussion, I really appreciate it. It was very insightful to me. Um, I would be remiss if I closed this without taking a moment to celebrate Shakila for passing the last part of her CPA exam. Very excited to see the balloons behind you and hear about that. That's a huge accomplishment. Very, very excited for you. But I really appreciate y'all being a part of today and being willing to speak so openly and candidly, especially in this kind of format. And hopefully it was helpful to everybody listening in. So thank you very much. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review.